listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Good morning, everybody. Well, good to see you all. Good to see everybody watching with us online. We're so glad to have you here at TVC this morning. We're starting a brand new series today called Me and My Big Mouth. Me and My Big Mouth. Has anybody ever used that phrase before? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to say the title of this series with me together. Ready? Here we go. Me and My Big Mouth. One more time. Me and my big mouth. Now, I want you to notice something. I said me and my big mouth, not my spouse, not my children, not my coworker, not my boss. This is about you and me. And, and I, what, I, what I want to do is I want to actually take you back to middle school camp for a minute, and I want to put some hand motions with this, if I could. And and here's what I I want to show you where we're going for the next few weeks. We're going to build this entire series around this idea. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. So here's what I want you to do. Take your hands and put them out like this. Close your fists. And when I say quick to listen, I want you to open them up. Ready? Here we go. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Let's try it again. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Those of you watching online or in your car, please don't do this. One more time, ready? Quick to listen and slow to speak. What I learned in preparing this series is that lawyers, when lawyers are preparing people to sit in the witness stand or whatever it might be, if there's a chance that they could become reactive or defensive, they'll teach people a posture of sitting with their hands on, on their laps with their palms up and open. And what happens is that physical posture slows down our natural desire to become defensive or reactive or to overspeak. Because here's what happens. During conflict, We close our ears. We close our hearts. We close our minds. We close our hands. Why? Because we want what the person who won't stop talking wants. I want to be heard. And I want to be understood. Now, I'm not going to let you talk because you've got to hear what I have to say. I need to make sure you hear my perspective. And that's really what both parties want in a situation where there's potentially conflict to be worked out. And so, you know, we may not agree, but listen to me. And if you have to say something, say something that lets me know that you heard me. After all, I I can't hear you until I'm confident that you've heard me. Let me know when you've heard me. And yet for us, let's try it again. Quick. To listen, slow to speak. You know, the the irony is that the letters in the word listen are the same letters in the word silent. Be quick 
to be quiet and to listen. I want to take you this morning over to the New Testament of the Scriptures, the Bible. It's the second half, if you will. Jesus has already come on the scene. And the first four books that we have are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And everything after that are are people who had either an eyewitness account or firsthand experience with him. And the book I want to take you to today is one of my favorites, if not my favorite, in all of the scriptures, because I find it so practical and easy to understand. And it's the book of James. And what you have to know about the book of James is who James was. James was actually the brother of Jesus, which I find absolutely fascinating because James refers to him as Lord. Now, I have to tell you, I love my brother a lot, but I'm never referring to him as Lord. So if you ever had kind of text proof of Jesus being God, it would be the fact that his very own brother was so convinced of watching what happened, watching the death, watching the resurrection, seeing his brother perform all the miracles. He said, this guy's not just my brother. He is God himself. And what happens is James goes over to Jerusalem And Jerusalem is sort of the centerpiece, if you will, in the ancient world for ancient Judaism. And so to convert those folks would be a real challenge. But he picks up a tremendous amount of steam, and a lot of converts are made, and and the church in Jerusalem really grows, and it's powerful. And as you can imagine, the religious leaders of the time, which are known as the Sadducees, they don't like that. They don't like the balance of power that's being disrupted. And so they're going to try to put a stop to this. And what happens is the governor at the time dies. And when he does, they see this as their opportunity before anything happens to get in there and and perhaps try to make some change. So the governor of Judea, Festus is his name, he dies. And during the time when the new governor was on his way to Jerusalem, the high priest, Ananus, took advantage of the situation. He had James arrested and condemned and brought before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin actually break the law. They do something they're not allowed to do. They condemn James to die. And what we know is James is taken out and he's stoned. Now that's not legal and we know that when we go back to the story of Jesus, if you remember. The Sanhedrin, the high priests, were upset with Jesus, but they knew they didn't have the power to actually condemn him to death, so they brought him before Pilate, because Pilate was governing over that area, and only he had the power to do that. So this is a little bit of a a slick willy thing that they've done here, kind of trying to sneak that in there. And so they have him stoned to death, and when the new governor, Albinus, arrives, the citizens of Jerusalem who love James tell him about Ananus' illegal actions and, and actually the governor has him removed from his position, but not before James's death. I mean, talk about bad things happening to good people. In fact, James was such a good guy that history tells us that his nickname was James the Just. And you can see indicators all throughout the writings in the New Testament how, particularly with James, how the, the, the way of doing things in the day is being turned on its head. Like you have to understand that in, in Jesus' time and in ancient times, one thing in particular is women did not have a voice. They had no power. They had no voice. They were treated as less than. And we see the implications of Jesus coming even in the writings of his brother James. I mean, look at it. Look at it right here. My dear brothers and what? 
James is saying, look, it's a different day. My, my brother has come on the scene, and, and he's Lord, and he's, he's ascribed worth and value and honor to every human being. Just him writing that, we ought to take note. He said, take note of this. Everyone, you and I, should be quick to listen and slow to speak. See, your first priority relationally is to be quick to listen. I mean, isn't that what we want for others to do for us? When we're in a situation where we just want to explain ourselves. We just want to share our perspective. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. This idea of slow to speak, is it actually brings with it the idea of being late. Being late. Like when you know that you could speak up, when you know that you could respond, when you know that you have something to say, be late. Wait. When you're ready to push back, wait. And by the way, if you have to say something, how about this? Be curious. Be curious. So, so you're in, in a situation where there's conflict and you're sitting across from that person. They're going and they're going. And, and in your mind, you're like, I have responses. I'm ready. And, and really, by the way, just a quick heads up. You know, you know what we do? We often don't listen to hear. We listen to respond. It's like that little, that little red chatterbox. It's going. And we're not hearing anything. We're just preparing for how we're going to react, how we're going to respond. I see this all the time. Truth be known, I see it in my marriage. I see it with my children. There are certain times my wife will have to say to me, Dan, shut up and listen. And I have to step back and go, you're right, I'm not hearing you. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing in my mind what I want to say, how I want to react, and how I want to say. He says, be, be curious in that slow to speak. Ask questions. Yeah, but they'll just keep talking. Then ask three questions. It, it could be, you know, it seems to me that this situation really bothers you. I, could you help me understand why? Could you help me understand what you're feeling right now? Because I'm not sure I fully, I fully understand it. Now, let me just say this. Be careful how you ask questions and don't be condescending when you do. Because you can do that too. You can say, well, obviously this is bothering you and you're not going to get over it. So what's the deal? Don't do that. Demonstrate your curiosity to really understand where the other person is coming from. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. And parents, don't you wish your kids would ask questions? Think about those times you have the mother-daughter talk or the father-son talk or the mother-son talk or whatever it might be, and you go all the way through. I and mean, how, how cool would it be if instead of arguing back, your kid said, can you help me understand a little bit more? Or would it be okay if I shared with you some perspective or how I've been seeing that? And you really took the time to know and to, to be known by the other person. Because here's, here's the deal. If you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak, what will come next will be easier. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become what? Angry. Slow to become angry. And, and, and for us, that is both... Um, a result, and a decision. See, anger is expressed differently. For some people, it's blowing up. Or for other people, they just get really, really quiet. How many know somebody that when they get angry, they just get really, really quiet, right? Or whatever it might be. Anger in this context is this. It's drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. 
It's the anger that gets in your head and says, you decide before you ever sit in front of that person why they're wrong and why you're right and what the problem is, and it's usually them. And you've made a mountain now out of a molehill. I'm a verbal processor. That's why why I'm a preacher. But I'll tell you, when it comes to anger, I take it internally. And if I'm not careful, I will over-process it internally to the point where it becomes something it never was intended to be. Please tell me somebody can relate to that. And I've, I've had the fight with the person in my head eight or ten times before I ever sit down with them. And I've drawn misinformed decisions and conclusions that weren't even meant to be there. And we play a narrative that might not even be the outcome. So he says, quick to listen, slow to speak. He says, the formula is this. The longer you listen, the more you'll learn. And the more you'll learn, the less angry you'll be. Here's why it works. Because everything that everyone does makes sense to them. The decisions that somebody else is making that are making you angry, it makes sense to them. In fact, everything everyone says makes sense to them. In fact, everything everyone believes makes sense to them. So when you say, well, you know, I I don't know why. I don't know why you do that. I don't know why you'd say that. I don't know why you'd believe that. Let me just give you a hint at who needs the educating. You do. Or I do, because I haven't taken the time to be quick to listen, slow to speak, curious about what's going on, asking questions, trying to understand. See, if, if there's something you don't know, You ask questions. You don't make declarations. There's a book by a guy by the name of Stephen Covey, kind of a leader of leaders, and he wrote a number of books, but the one that had a tremendous impact on me was a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And here's what he says is the fifth habit. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. So you're sitting down with somebody in a potentially, a situation that potentially could have conflict, where potentially could, it, could, uh, it could start to escalate, and, and you make the decision to say, you know what? Before I say anything, I'm going to seek first to understand. I'm going to ask a lot more questions than I do giving answers or explanations. See, what happens is in that situation, you are valuing the other person. You're taking their perspective into account. See, when we listen to reply rather than to understand, we don't learn anything. In fact, our frame of reference and our filter is limited to our life experiences. You and I filter things through our life experiences. Oftentimes, we'll look at a conflict situation that we're going through in the present moment, and we'll filter it through something that we went through in the past. 
well, that always ended this way, so this is obviously going to end that way. And that may not be the case at all. Or somebody who was very important to you treated you a certain way. And so now the next person in line, well, they're going to do that too because we filter it through our experiences. I have to tell you, if you make the effort to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and you're curious, what might happen in that moment is you might reach the place of realizing that not everybody or every situ- situation is like the one you went through. Because actually, I believe in a redemptive God that wants abundance for your life, not a constant repeat of all the negativity that you went through. So he's not finished. He says there's a divine agenda connected to our actions. He says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because... Human anger does not bring about the righteousness, and that's, that's simply, righteousness means being right. It doesn't bring about the righteousness that God desires. See, James is starting to point to conflicting agendas. See, I, my anger produces the righteousness that I desire. I know I'm right. I want you to know I'm right, and I want everybody to know I'm right. Can I just tell you, <laughs> life just does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so James is suggesting that that's not the right right. Here's the right right. You want to be right at one another. God wants you to be right with one another. Sometimes at the very bedrock of relationships is this idea of giving up your right to be right. And saying, you know what? I would rather not be right And keep that relationship intact than insist that I be right and that person is wrong. And yet normally the driver with me and my big mouth that gets me into trouble is at the end of the day, I want to make sure I'm right. And you know I'm right. And everybody knows I'm right. But that's just not right. I didn't even plan that. That was pretty good. And so what he's doing is he's drawing us into Jesus' greatest commandment. He said, here's why this is important. Because if you remember, our Lord, my brother, I met, that gets me every time. He said this, as I have loved you, you get to love one another. You get the opportunity to love one another. Jesus didn't come to be right. He came to reconcile us and make things right. Can you imagine if we applied this right now? Can you imagine if we started to fly in the face of this cancel culture that we're in? Where we just, we just cut people off, we, we unfriend them, we, we walk away, whatever it might be, and we say, you know what? I'm going to work at this. I'm going to work hard at this. Relationships are messy, but maybe even in the working hard at it, God will do something in me and change me, and that relationship will be better. Because here's, here's what I want you to see. If the two of you aren't right, it doesn't matter who's right. If the two of you in a conflict situation aren't right, it doesn't matter who's right. Nobody wins in that. In fact, being right can make things worse. And James goes on, and he says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then he goes on, he says, therefore, anytime you see a therefore, you've got to ask what the therefore is there for. So now that the goal is clear, 
Now that we have the right right, he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. And this word rid in the language that the scriptures were, were written in is the same idea that we get for taking off a jacket or taking off a coat. He says, take off the moral filth, right? And, and, and what's that? It's the, it's the self-rightness that we so demand that we have to have. Because self-rightness is really a form of self-centeredness and and arrogance. See, he says, get rid of this. And and here's why, because of where it's going to lead you. Violence starts usually with words. I've never met a couple who ended their marriage and said, well, you know, we haven't talked in three years, but that's why we're, no, it was an escalation of events and things that led up to that. And normally starting with a lot of words or you walk away from your job or your, your boss walks you away from your job because something came out of your mouth that shouldn't have come out. I'm right. And I'm demanding my rights. He says, get rid of that. Take that off. And the evil that's so prevalent. Well, what, what's the center letter in the word evil? It's I. The same center letter in the word sin. It really comes down to our pride. See, a better word there is actually malice, which suggests a desire to harm or to get back or to pay back. That, that, that epitomized the culture of James's time and even maybe perhaps our culture today. And, and so when it dawns on us that I'm trying to convince or to control or to win, shut it down, take it off. Here, here's your alternative. And humbly accept The word planted in you. What's that word? What's that truth that you and I are called back to? To love as we have been loved. You can work so hard at being right and maintaining your right to be right in your marriage that you drive your spouse right out the door. As a parent, you can be so determined to protect your right to be right, where you're not quick to listen and slow to speak, that you can drive your children right out the door. He's saying, put that aside and humbly accept the word planted in you, and I love this, that can what? That can save you. This is not eternal salvation, by the way. This word here is saving a relationship, saving a marriage, saving a work situation. It can save you from regretful words, acting in anger, divorce, unemployment, even prison. If you accept it and you act on it and you do it, this is what makes the difference. Let's put the whole thing together. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're new to faith or you're just exploring it, this applies. This applies to your life and to mine. He says, therefore, get rid of all the moral filth. Take that coat off and the evil that's so prevalent, that, 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 that desire to have to be right all the time or get your word in or whatever it might be. But get, get rid of that. All that stuff that's so and humbly accept the word planted in you. And what's the word that the word God Himself came to bring? It's this 
love each other as I have loved you. Accept the word planted in you that can save you from heartache, save you from broken relationships, save you from work relationships going sour, save you from your kids saying, I'm done with you. Save you and save you and all through it. That's what God's heart is for you. So let's try this one more time. I want you to think about this the next time you're in a situation. What are you and I going to do? Let's say it together. Ready? Quick to listen. Slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Here's what James says. And here's my challenge for you. Don't settle for being right. Make things right. Don't settle for being right. Make things right. This is entirely what Jesus came to do for you and for me. And maybe you're hearing this is all somewhat new to you, or this whole idea of making things right. I want to tell you that you have a Savior, the brother of this guy, James, who came and laid down his life. And not just raised it, laid it down, but he, he raised it up again and is offering you life. Maybe that's where you need to begin today. Maybe for some of you, where you need to begin today is, is simply saying that there's a relationship that I need to go and make right. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm not going to tell you to get on the phone after the service is over. I'm going to tell you to go home and pray for three days and take time and say, God, what would you have me to do to make this right? What would you have me to say to make this right? What would you ask me to help to help me understand where that person's coming from so that I can do my part to make this right and see what God might want to accomplish. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for your love for us. I'm thankful that your mercies are new every day because I, if I'm honest, I suffer from foot-in-mouth disease. And God, I, I want to be somebody who does not demand to be right, but seeks to make things right. But like many of us, I fail at that more often than I want to admit. And so God, do the work in each of us that has to be done. First, remind us of a Savior who made us right with you and who empowers us to make things right with one another. And then, God, maybe today someone will be brought to our hearts or our minds that we need to pray through and reach out to and say, you know, I, I'm just reaching out to make things right. Teach us, God, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. God, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it.
For more information, visit tvcweb.com.